Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, and there we go. We're live. We're live. <laughs> Welcome to the Hawk Central post-game podcast. This is Chad Lastico of the Des Moines Register, along with Tyler Tashman of the Des Moines Register. Uh, Dargan Southerd, who was uh, here at Kinnick Stadium, also was trying to join, but at, uh, he's just going to produce for now. If for, if for some reason he pops on, we'll take him. But uh, but Tyler, uh, you watched this one from home. Uh, Hawkeyes lose this one 12 to 10. Uh, I guess we got to start with the punt return, right? But there's there's other there's other issues simmering behind all this. We totally get that, but let's start there. Uh, what did you think? Uh, on, what did you see on TV? I guess, and then we can uh, kind of go from there. Yeah, I mean it's it's a debatable call. I you know I think that in real in real time and even in replay, it didn't look like a you know a, a fair catch call. But I could see the case for it. I mean, I it one way or the other. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Um, but my big, my biggest thing from that is, it's easy to point the finger at that play, and I think that if they, I mean, it obviously if if that doesn't get called back, Iowa probably wins. But Iowa's offense lost them that game, not that play, not that call. Iowa's defense didn't even allow a touchdown. They allowed four field goals. They allowed twelve points. It was the offense that um, I think deserves the most blame for this, not the not a single call or the fact that the, the punt got, uh, you know, called back. You can't, if you're Deacon Hill and I know he's inexperienced and, but, but turning the ball over three times just can't happen. Uh, Iowa's offense just doesn't have enough firepower to make up for that. And I was offense, frankly, bad when they do kick, take care of the ball when they don't, it just adds some, another variable into the equation that they can't uh, make up for. So as much as we can debate, hey, did he, uh, you know, was it a fair catch? Not, you know, I think we could probably spend till the end of time doing that. But to me, it was pretty clear I was offense lost in this game. Yeah, total yardage today for the Hawkeyes, a whopping 127, 127 yards. And they had 115 at halftime. So they got 12 yards in the entire second half, uh, minus three in turnovers. So when you get the third worst offense of the Kirk Ferentz era, um, third worst offensive total, at least of the Brian Ferentz era, I'm, I'm 100% sure of that, um, then uh, – and the worst at home, you're not probably going to win, and yet they almost did because of that single play. Uh, and it almost looked like Iowa was going to find a way again. This place was up for grabs just like it was against Michigan State. Um Here's what the official – let's start with what the official said. Now, Kirk Ferentz and, and, of course, the Iowa side is upset. Ferentz was upset. Didn't like – and I, I totally get this – totally get this from, from his perspective. They went to review as what he was he was told uh, to review to see if he stepped out of bounds. Totally get that. Let's make sure because uh, it was close. You know, I couldn't tell from where I was. I'm sure, uh, you know, there were a few blades of turf between – 
you know, you know, of question there, but, but he obviously stayed in bounds. Cooper DeGene does makes an unbelievable play 54 yard touchdown with 121 to go seemingly going to give Iowa a 17 to 12 lead, uh, you know, with that defense that had not allowed a touchdown, as you said, and they would have to allow a touchdown to that offense in 81 seconds. So um, where things went haywire was during the review, which is done back in Pittsburgh, uh, someone or a group of someone's uh, determined that uh, Cooper DeGene made an invalid fair catch signal. So before we get into what Cooper and Kirk said, here is what the official told Scott, who was the uh, pool, Scott Docterman, who was the pool reporter. Uh, every home media crew has a pool reporter in case there is controversy. Scott is that guy uh, for University of Iowa. Uh, here's what referee Tim O'Day said. Uh, Going back to the play, the receiver makes a pointing gesture with his right hand, and he makes multiple waving gestures with his left hand. If you look at the video, you'll see that. The waving motion of the left hand constitutes an invalid fair catch signal. So when the receiving team recovers the ball, by rule it becomes dead, which is correct application. This is me talking. Is a correct application of the rule if they rule the invalid fair catch signal. So that is a reviewable element of the game. Uh, O'Day continues. We let the play run out and then we went to review. Review shows with indisputable evidence that there is a waving motion with the left hand. And that is when these rules are applied. So uh, it, the indisputable evidence, I guess, is interesting because they had to have indisputable to overturn it. Now, obviously they're not going to say in the statement, we made a mistake. Uh, that said, uh, it is a judgment call, right? Even on review, it's a judgment call to determine whether he made a waving motion with his left hand. Uh, what did you think in terms of like, uh, you know, Cooper said, you know, he didn't wave above his head. Kirk Ferentz said the same thing. Like, that's what they're told is a, is a signal. They're saying it was an invalid signal, though. So, I mean, to call that in that moment, I guess, is where the the rub is. Yeah, I mean – his arm was waving. I think the question is like how high and was it him to me? It just looked like he was kind of like pointing at the ball or like telling people to move away. But, you know, maybe there was some indecision there of whether he wanted to uh, call for a fair catch. And I also think the indisputable part that to me is interesting because I don't know if that was, there was enough indisputable for something that wasn't called on the field. Like, because it was just such a gray area that, uh, to me, it, it wasn't enough to s- clearly say that there was enough evidence to overturn it. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's kind of where my beef with the call lies is that they they took a play that was not called on the field and made it indisputable on review. I mean, maybe somebody could explain that to me that that. Absolutely, that was an invalid signal. But he was—he was just the—the. The, it's not like the hand was above his head. So somebody had to say, "Yep, that's indisputable," or "That's a—that's an invalid fair catch signal." And it—I mean, it certainly didn't look like because Cooper knew the ball was going to bounce. He was not making a fair catch signal, right? I mean, that's the—that's the part that doesn't add up because. The ball was not catchable, so he was not trying to make a fair catch signal, and therefore it was not an invalid fair catch signal, in my opinion. So, and the Minnesota defenders obviously did not stop attacking him, and it was such a, an incredible play. So, you know, 
it turns a seven, you know, potential seven and one Hawkeye team into a six and two Hawkeye team that we knew was flawed. Um, but now we have to address those flaws head on. And uh, in the post game, Tyler, uh, Kirk Ferentz saying that, uh, well, I, do you want to move on now or should I t- we talk about what Kirk and Cooper said? I mean, they both were dejected basically and thought it was a bad call. Yeah, that's we can leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got you guys can read my article. It's it's got a ton of quotes from Cooper and Kirk in there. Um, and PJ Fleck thought it was a fair catch signal, so there it was a big shock. <laughs> but it wasn't because it was invalid. It was an invalid fair catch. Signal. Who would have thought that PJ Fleck would have agreed with the call? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what was interesting was you know Kirk Ferentz gets defensive again on the quarterback change questions and. Basically said, you know, hey, we're not we're not crazy. We see what we see in practice, and basically Deacon Hill is better than practice. We got to figure out how to win with him going forward. So that is not going to be a satisfying answer to some, but that must tell you that Joe Labus is either really terrible or they just or Deacon Hill's really great in practice. Either way, it's not showing up in the games. I mean, eleven for twenty eight passing or ten for twenty eight passing for one sixteen. And uh, three turnovers. I mean, that was that was the one thing that was keeping Deacon on the field. We heard last week was, "Hey, he's securing the ball," which he really didn't against Wisconsin, right? I mean, it was like a, three batted balls, one that was almost picked, one fumble near the end of the game that almost, you know, it wasn't that secure. But anyway, that was so they're going to ride with Deacon. It sounds like unless some, you know, unless something changes during this bye week. What do you it, think of that? What do you yeah, think of that? well, it. It figured to be an uphill battle when Cade went out with, you know, a season ending injury, just one, because I know some people weren't satisfied with what he was doing on the field and he didn't really have a great start to the season by any means, but he was a guy that had been to, had won a big 10 championship, had been to a college football playoff uh, semifinal and, and losing him, I think because of what Iowa had behind him and not really a proven guy, it figured, okay, this is going to be a challenge. I don't know if we expected it to be this bad because based on my, well, I just crunched the numbers real quick. Since Deacon took the, took over for Cade when he got hurt against Michigan State, he's 33 of 90 uh, completion, so barely over 33%. His best uh, passing day yardage-wise was actually today, 116 yards. That was the bet. That was the most he's passed for in a single game in his career. And look, I don't, I don't like fall. I don't put this all on Deacon Hill's shoulders because this is a guy that he came in from Wisconsin, hadn't even attempted a pass before this season, and you throw him into a difficult, uh, difficult circumstances. He hasn't been great, but he's also a young guy. Just uh, the help around him has not been there either. The, I think the wide, the receiving play. I guess you can make an argument it was a little bit better today, but that's not saying a whole lot given what we're comparing it to this, you know, up to this point in the season, it looked like an offense that didn't really have a lot of trust in its receivers and was really missing Luke Lachey and Eric Hall. And then the running game after two strong games just was totally, it was gone um, basically today. And the difference between today and what happened against Wisconsin is LeSean Williams broke out that long touchdown run that didn't happen today. And there was really basically nothing on the ground. So now you have to rely on Deacon Hill uh, to make plays which is with his arm, which you 
wasn't able to do. That's a lot of pressure on a guy uh, with not much experience. So it, it, to me, it just feels like a whole offensive collapse and I'm the outlook of it. I just, I don't really see too much promising moving forward. No, definitely not. And because Minnesota kind of showed the blueprint of, Hey, we're going to just load the box. And that's what, that's what they said. Uh, Minnesota did, you know, but they brought their safeties down to help with the run. So that meant, you know, one-on-one coverage with the receivers. And there were some early connections, obviously, you know, even a, a broken play turns into a 36 yard gain to Deontay Vines. And, um, you know, it turns into a field goal on the first drive, and you're thinking, oh, that's kind of promising. And then they even take the 10-3 lead at halftime on uh, the most Iowa drive ever uh, with uh, a bunch of runs for four or less yards and four penalties on Minnesota, 46 yards, three sneaks, and finally in officially for a touchdown. But uh, guess what, Tyler? The longest run of the day, Deacon Hill's quarterback sneak, seven yards. So the Hawkeyes finished 28 carries for 11 yards yeah 11 yards that's it 28 carries 11 yards there's uh 22 yards in sacks there for for deacon uh and a bunch of sneaks but uh that's that's not good that's not good the longest run for any running back was five deacon ran for seven on a second one sneak yeah and i was surprised it it took them a little bit while a while to get in that touchdown too with the with Deacon's sneak. I, w- I was kind of surprised that they didn't get it in quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned one of the sacks and the the sack that they took on that final drive. That final uh, yeah. drive, that was a real killer because they started at their own forty six and then that just kind of took the air out of it even more. And but um, no, I I feel like looking forward. Coming off a big win against Wisconsin, Iowa had they controlled their own destiny in the West. They, they if they won out, they get to the Big Ten championship. This makes things more difficult and makes things more complicated. Uh, I think Minnesota is going to kind of be in the running now to win the West. Uh, Wisconsin won really late against Illinois, even though that they had been losing. So, uh, getting to a Big Ten championship now becomes a lot more complicated and and it begs the question of like is Iowa going to waste another great defense you know and because they went eight and five last year with a defense that if it was an average offense they probably would have only lost one or two games and I think it's getting to the point now with the way Iowa's offense is playing is like are they going to waste another Phil Parker defense that's been really good especially since it feels like since that you know uh Purdue game Purdue, Wisconsin, they played really well. And now it's like, are they just going to waste it again? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they, they get a chance to regroup here. Uh, I'm not, I'm with you. I mean, the offense is just so bad. I, I just think you have to, you're just going to have to go with a strategy of just, you cannot turn the ball over. Like, if they don't turn it over, they're, you know, Tory Taylor and the defense is good enough to probably win you some games. Um, Taylor, you know, nine punts. 49.3 average. Uh, Minnesota punted nine times as well, 39.9 average. So you look at that difference. Iowa with 85 more yards and punts out of nine punts. So you that's field position you made. I mean, that's kind of offensive field position you kind of make up there. And Minnesota only gained, what they gained? 239 yards on 70 plays. I mean, that's a winning effort, like you said, on a defense. It's just 
it's really dis- disappointing that they couldn't run the ball more. I think that's that made Deacon that made them put the ball ball in Deacon's hands a little bit more than they should. You know, twenty eight attempts plus the sacks, so he's he was dropping back thirty plus times. And uh, he, here's the thing about that last drive: your first and ten, even after the DeGene overturn, with one thirty three left at your own forty six yard line, you're with the wind. Like even right there, I mean it's not a it's not a field goal yet, but even right there you're close to field goal range. Kirk Ferentz said they needed about twenty yards. He thought to maybe feel good because that would have given Stevens a twenty or fifty two yard attempt, and I think he would have made it probably with the wind. So you just needed twenty yards, and you had a timeout. You still had a timeout, so that's really. That's that's as disheartening as anything because you couldn't get twenty yards in four down territory. Yeah, it, he threw, it, yeah, he threw a pick in their third play there. So. It feels like I was flaws kind of caught up to it today yeah. because some of these games that Iowa was getting the benefit of the doubt of the Michigan State game, even the you know the Purdue game, the Wisconsin game. You even look back at the Iowa State game that ended up being kind of close, like. Iowa was able to basically just fight their way to a win. And Cooper DeGene almost did it single-handedly today. And, like, that was just an incredible return. And the fact that, like, he did this against Michigan State a few weeks ago, it was almost – it almost looked like a mirror image of it, except the field was flipped. Like, he goes down the sideline, kind of snakes through. I mean, that was just an incredible play, but it it really does feel like Iowa, you know, there may be the fact that they had the ball bounce their way a few times earlier in this season and, and they could have lost a game or two before. Felt like uh, it kind of finally caught up with them today. Yeah, no question. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think we kind of thought this might be coming at some point and it, it hit today. Uh, let's just transition to three word headlines now so we can uh, delve into any other little threads. Um, Clint, right off the top, says, got to fire him. Who do you think he's talking about? I don't think it's Phil Parker. If I, <laughs> I don't think it's him. Thank you for adding some humor to the podcast. Yeah, or Lamar <laughs> Woods. I think you can roll out those two. <laughs> um, Hawkerella says, hold refs accountable. Uh, Amy says, Cooper was robbed. Yeah, uh, yeah I think – yeah, you could definitely argue that. I feel bad for him. Yeah, I mean, he what did what happen? Yeah, athlete. he was he was just gutted. You could tell he was like that's almost one of those things. It's like horrifying, you know, shock. Yeah. You know, to make a great play like that to come to the bench, and then all of a sudden you're told because you don't even and you don't probably don't even understand. He didn't even understand why they overturned it initially. Like what? Like yeah. it's you actually took that off the board. Like oh my gosh, that uh, this gonna what? Before I, I'll, I'll scroll through some others here, Tyler. But why don't you answer this one? I'm doing that. Like this one feels like it could linger even through the bye week. To me, what do you think? I don't. I feel like the bye week, regardless of if they won this game or not, come at, came at a really good time because it it feels like they're kind of limping toward what they needed a break. Just it seemed physically and maybe mentally now, given this loss, just a kind of a chance to regroup. And uh, with Cooper, too, because I remember after the uh, Michigan State 
uh, returned. He told me, like, when I talked to him on Tuesday, he was like, it still didn't feel real. And that was days after. So now you're talking about how quickly things change in the matter of minutes. And I was almost thinking if, if that if that stood, it's like it felt like he was almost going to catapult himself into the Heisman conversation. You return two punts for a touchdown, uh, for touchdowns, do what he's done defensively. It was like, man, he's, he's you know, felt like he was going to at least put himself in the conversation that we talk about. But Yeah. Uh, former Hawkeye tight end Scott Slutsker says uh, offensive dun- dumpster fire. That's a former Hawkeye tight end. Uh, yeah, no arguments there. Uh, Randy Kopecki agrees with you, Tyler. Karma caught us. They were due for this. Um, Dirk Heiler says uh, fate catches Hawks. Good one. Justin King, miss you, Floyd. Yeah, Floyd goes to – Floyd Rosedale goes to Minneapolis now after an eight-year stay in Iowa City. I think that kind of hurt too. Like when I was walking to the locker room, you know, they're Minnesota and P.J. Fleck. They're still celebrating on the field, holding pit, the pig. You know, they really wanted this one. Uh, I think this probably really made their season uh, a huge, huge win for them, however they get it. Yeah, it gets them back kind of in the thick of things in the West to make a Big Ten championship as well. So Yeah, Mark Gallagher, what's the upside? <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty standard three-word headline. <laughs> I feel like no matter the outcome, you can count on that being one of the three-word headlines. <laughs> they win 40 to nothing, what's the upside? Yeah. Uh, Brett Johnson. I don't know if this is three words, but we'll, we'll let it slide. 2.26 yards per play. Oof. So ugly. Yeah. That's it's bad. Yeah. But hey, for the first time in the last 14 games, uh, wide receivers led the team in receiving yards. The resurgence. <laughs> You're looking for the Mr. Positive. Looking yeah. For the <laughs> Obviously, I'm uh, being facetious there and kind of joking. Um, oh, I, I like this one from Jason Jones. Let's let's finish with this one. Fourth quarter wave? Question <laughs> mark. Instead of the uh, first quarter wave. So yeah, there you go. Uh, somebody asked about the 25 points per game thing, Tyler, and you know, of course, Kirk uh, kind of dismissed it. I mean, but obviously, there's. We knew there was zero chance that Brian Ferentz was going to get to 25 points a game after last week, but now it's really, now it's really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, does it feel like at least if you're a fan, just tired of this offense that inevitably there will be a new offensive coordinator at the end of this year? I mean, it, it my biggest thing is you, you can't risk apathy because right now, it feels dangerously close to just people not being interested. And I think, and that's much worse than when you have fans that are passionate and uh, whether it's good or bad, they're engaged. And it it feels like right now, because not just because of what's happened this season, but what happened last season um, offensively, that you're at risk of of losing the interest of the fan base. Cause it's just not, it's not fun to watch, you know, it's just not interesting. And especially if they're, uh, if I wasn't winning, there's even, uh, you know, I, I think it's tolerable if they are winning, if they're not, it becomes just the style of play. It, it becomes even more difficult to watch. So I just think it's really close to that line of you, you have to make sure that the fan base isn't disengaging because that's, that's when I, that's much worse than, you know, anger and frustration, because then at least people are still interested. I think you can't, 
wade into the waters of apathy. Yeah, really well put there, Tyler. Um, uh, I mean, but just think about the flip side. Like, if that if that's not overturned, what's our conversation like right now? Probably not talking much about. I mean, we're talking about the offense, of course, but like, you know, it's yeah. only two turnovers instead of three because he obviously right. had the last one there. Um, yeah, and I you're mean, just like, wow, this is like a euphoric, magical season. Like, what can happen next? Yeah, you know, and you got Northwestern at Wrigley Field. Yeah. Uh, but now I just – I mean, I don't really – I don't know. I, maybe I'm clouded by what happened here, but it's just hard to picture this team winning many more games, even yeah. though the – I mean, Rutgers looked good today. Uh, <laughs> Against Indiana. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't even thinking about that. But I know that. <laughs> I mean, that's not saying a lot that they would do it against Indiana. But <laughs> sure, we'll go with it. Um, kind of interesting. Uh, I th- some people are making some stuff out of this, and I kind of – I guess this was decided a while back, but it's not going to look good. Um, we usually get coordinators during bye week, and this week is not going to. We're not going to get coordinators, so um, you know Brian Ferentz will not be meeting the media this week as he usually does. Um, what do you think of that? Well, you, so you said it was decided earlier. Yeah, apparently, apparently it was decided. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's just unfortunate timing, given yeah, especially what happened today that. It's just there's gonna there's so there were already a lot of eyes and you know stuff on it, but now it's just the the situation around Iowa's offense is just basically getting worse by the day. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing. Uh, it would be nice to hear from him, but the the good thing is at least Kirk Ferentz did speak to the fact that about the quarterback decision because that's the one that's the thing I almost want to hear from Brian the most. Like, what is it exactly? you're seeing in Deacon Hill that makes you believe that he continues to be your best chance to win when he's coughing up the ball three. I mean, that, that's what it doesn't add up to me, but I know Joe Labus is, you know, apparently having turnover problems in practice. So, I mean, yeah. but still well, on the field though, he didn't have any in the music city bowl. So, yeah. I mean, I understand that part of the evaluation is during practice, but if you have a guy that is struggling so much in game, I mean, that's what it matters. That, yeah. How you perform during the game matters. So I feel like what is done in practice is obviously meaningful, but if there's that much of a discrepancy between what you see in practice and what you see in the game, there should at least be a thought to go. To yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we could talk ourselves in circles on this for a while, but we got to wrap this podcast up. Tyler, hope you're feeling better soon and uh, feeling, see you soon. And um, thanks Hawkeye fans for joining us. Any final thoughts you got? Any, any positive thoughts? How about a positive message today from Tyler? Do you have anything? I was defense is really good. <laughs> Joe, Joe Evans was playing like a madman, Sebastian yeah. Castro. Uh, yeah, that's, that's all I got. We, I, we could probably talk for 30 minutes about Iowa's defense, but obviously. Yeah, we could. Probably yeah. don't want to be hearing about that right now. Uh, yeah, exactly. Anyway, for Tyler Tashman, Chad Lysico, saying so long. I don't know when we'll talk to you next, but um, we will talk to you sometime about this Hawkeye offense and Hawkeye team. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.